Good evening. It's pretty good. We'll try that again. Good evening. <laughs> Who said good morning? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Should have had something stuck in here. All right, we'll get there. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for all these folks that have come out. And Father, as we open your word and as we look at that for a few minutes, we just pray that you would speak. Um, Father, not my words, but your words is what we want to hear. Um, and we pray that every heart that's here um, would be open to hearing from you, that we would want and that we would long, that we would pant like the deer at the water for your words to be spoken to us tonight, and that we would hear and listen and do then according to what we hear. We just ask now that you bless this time, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read from Luke 15. You're going to know this story right away, um, a lot of you, but let's just read there. Um, it goes like this, And then drew near unto him all the publicans and the sinners, for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners, and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he found it, he layeth it upon his shoulders, and when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over the ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seeketh diligently until she find it? And when she had found it, she calls her friends together and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I have lost. Likewise I say unto you, There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said unto his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered, together, gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there he wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave him to eat. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will rise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned in heaven and before thee, and am no longer worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants." And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no longer worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. 
and let us eat and, make, and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field. And he came and he drew nigh unto the house and he heard the music and the dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come. And thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and he would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive and was lost and is found. This starts off, then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners. They wanted to hear Jesus. But why? Why? And the answer for that comes the chapter before. Jesus, in Luke uh, 14, he was bidden to a Pharisee's house. He was invited. He must have had a gathering, a crowd following him, so the Pharisees thought, well, this guy's important. Let's have him come to our house. And they invited him to a meal at one of the chief Pharisees' houses to eat bread on the Sabbath day. And they were watching him. They were watching Jesus, because that's what the Pharisees always did. They tried to find and pick some reason to cause him trouble. That was just the way they didn't really like him. There was a man there who had dropsy, which was a sickness. He, he had a swelling of the body, it says, um, due to retention of excess fluid. So he, he was sick. And Jesus, knowing what their thoughts was going to be, he says to them, he asks, is it lawful for me to heal this man on the Sabbath? And they didn't answer him. They didn't give him an answer, so Jesus healed him. Now in that party there that evening, that, that meal, Jesus noticed how certain of the guests came and they picked out the best spots to sit. They, they found the, the best room where they're going to get served the first, maybe, I don't know, the most important places. And he noticed how some of them picked those spots for themselves and went in and, and chose those spots. And so, because he saw that, he gave them a bunch of par parables, three parables, um, or three stories he, he told them at that meal. The first one goes like this. He said, with this advice, when you're invited to a wedding, don't seek out the best spot, the highest, most prominent, the most important spot. Lest the host comes along and says, you know what, I kind of have that spot reserved for this more important person than you, and you're asked to move, and in that embarrassment, you have to go somewhere else, which is less important. He said, pick for yourselves a lower spot. And that way, when the host comes, he might say to you, here, no, 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 don't go sit there. Come sit here at a better spot. But don't, don't do it the other way around so that you're lowered. Let the host lift you up, not yourself, was the idea behind that thought. The second one was like this. He says, when you throw a party, 
When you have a meal and you're inviting people over, don't go inviting all your friends, all your neighbors, all the rich people. They will never, they'll just come and, and they'll be able to do something nice for you. So there's no reward in that. But he said to them, when you have a party, go invite, gather the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, not because you did it for your own honor, but you'll be blessed when you get to God's kingdom. It's really what he said. And one of the Pharisees hearing that, he says to Jesus, blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And a commentator said this, that, that seemingly pious remark was made to take away the punch of all Jesus was saying, was take away to, made to take away the point of what Jesus was teaching. And because of that, Jesus gives a one-third thing at that supper. And that one goes like this, and he says, a man made a great meal, a supper, and he invited many. And the meal was ready, so he sent out his servant to gather the guests to the meal. And there were some that, they all made excuses. They said, you know what, I just bought land. I just bought this property, and I'm going to go see what it was, what it's about. And he says, please, please excuse me. Another guy comes along and says, you know what? I just bought these five yoke of oxen, and I've never tested them out. I, I got to go see what they're all about. And I'm, please excuse me. That's like somebody saying, I just bought myself a brand new combine or some great big farm equipment, and I, I just got to go see how it works. Or maybe it's the, the high-speed car, whatever the thing that... Might be with all the horsepower. I just, I'm going to go on a cruise today and I, I just can't be there. Can you please excuse me? And the last guy says, you know what? I just married this beautiful girl. Beautiful girl. And you know what? We're kind of still in the honeymoon stage and we're just going to go do our thing. And please, you know what? Excuse me from your party. And the host of that party was upset. Nobody, he, he throws his party and nobody wants to come. The servant comes back and he tells him, the guy's upset, and he says, you know what? Go out and get the poor and the maimed and the blind and the halt, the, the, the ones that are hurting, and bring them into my party. And the servant does that. He goes out into the streets and he gets all those handicapped people and all those people that are less important, it would seem, and he brings them into the party and he comes back to the host and he says this, there's still room. We still got plenty of room. And the host says, well then, fine. Go to, out into the highways and the byways, into the hedges, and, and just get as many people as you come. Bid them to come to my supper and fill the place. And Jesus tells that story. And when word gets out, that's why the publicans and the sinners want to hear him. Jesus just, just said, you know what? You guys are the ones I want to bring in. And so they're drawn to Jesus. And so we see then in Luke 15, these, these publicans and sinners come to Jesus. They're drawn to him because they feel accepted with him. There's going to be acceptance with Jesus. But, verse 2 says, the Pharisees murmured and complained. This man receives sinners and he eats with them. You notice that the Pharisees, they're saying now, you know what? He's not the special guest at our, at our chief priest's house, chief Pharisee's house. He's now just become this man. He's not the special guest anymore. It's not, not rabbi, not master. 
this man. This man. Not only that, this man is eating with those dirty people, those unworthy people, ones that we don't want to be associated with. And yet he, he eats with them and makes friendship with them. And because of that, Jesus gives us these three parables. And the first one, you know it, it's the lost sheep. A man has a hundred sheep and he loses one. One in a hundred, that's one percent. One percent of his livelihood. And he goes and he looks, he scours the field until he, he finds it. And when he finds it, he takes that sheep and he puts it on his shoulders and he carries it back home. You know, he doesn't do what a lot of people will say. You know what? The sheep is bad. I'm going to beat the thing and chase it home. No, he carefully puts it on his shoulders and he takes it home and he cares for it and he tends to its needs. And when he gets back, he goes and gets his friends and his neighbors and they have a celebration. He says, this, my sheep was lost and I found it. And Jesus said, you know what? There's joy in heaven over that one sinner who repents and who comes home. More than over the 99, 99 that don't need any repentance. I, I, I thought about that. Where can you find, where can we find 99 that don't need any repentance? They don't exist. They don't exist. In, in the whole scope of humanity, there's nobody that doesn't need repentance. The only people who need no repentance think they need no repentance. They think they're good enough on their own. He tells them the next story. He said, a woman has ten coins and she loses one. Ten pieces of silver. One is missing. Uh, somebody said these coins are possibly part of her marriage dowry. I don't know. That's somebody's speculation. And that they had speci special significance for her. Or maybe it's just 10% of her livelihood, all that she owned. Maybe that's what it was. It was an important amount for her, though. And she lights a candle. She sweeps the floor until she finds it. And it says when she finds it, she tells her neighbors, and they celebrate together with her that she found this important piece. Jesus said there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents. In fact, the angels of God rejoice. You want to make angels celebrate? All it takes is a sinner to repent. And then Jesus, so it's been 1%, the one sheep. Then it's 10%, the coins. And then Jesus talks about this prodigal son, this man who has two sons. And the younger son says, Dad, give me What's due to me? Give me my inheritance. The portions of goods that fall to me. And I thought about that. An inheritance is something that's usually given once the owner dies. So really this son is saying, Dad, you're as good as dead to me. Just give me the stuff and I'm going to be gone. And he does. He divides up his substance between the two sons and he gives the younger son what's due to him. And it doesn't take too long before this young son says, younger son says, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm gone. I'm tired. I don't know what it was. If they'd had a fight, if he was just tired of the rules at home, if he was just 
or if he just thought, you know, it's time for me to be on my own. I don't know what exactly what that was, but he decides he's going off. He doesn't want to be under the household anymore, and he wants to be on his own, and he goes off. He wants to do it his way. Exodus 20, verse 12 says this, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Ephesians 6, 1-4 goes along really well with that. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, this is, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, and this is the promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And then the part that goes along with that, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And as I was thinking about those thoughts, I, this Proverbs 22, verse 6 also comes to my mind, which is to parents. It says, train up a child in the way which he shall go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And as I thought, that's not foolproof. That's not a guarantee, but it's a good pattern to follow. There's still some that will wander away, that'll do it on their own, that'll want to seek what the world is offering, and they'll do that. So verse 13 and 14 tells us that not long after the younger son gathers up all of his stuff and he leaves. I'm gone. I'm out of here. I'm going to that far off country. And it says he blew everything on wild and riotous living. The older brother later on says, you know what? He spent it with harlots, with wild girls, and he wasted it. He had broken ties with home. He's gone far away. He left the ways of home, and he's gone the way that the world would lead. He wasn't going to have to answer to anyone anymore, he thought. I don't have to listen to what my parents' rules are anymore. I'm on my own doing my own thing. He made new friends, or so he thought. But when the money was gone, so were the friends. James 4, verse 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. This guy had made the world his friend. And in so doing, he even made God his enemy. And when everything was gone, it says that he, hard times fell on the whole land. And there was a mighty famine. He was feeling the struggles of life. It says that he began to be in want. He wanted, but he didn't have anymore. It was gone. He'd blown it all on his friends, on having the good times. It, he was popular. He had lots of friends when he had stuff to share, but as soon as the stuff to share was gone, his friends were gone, and he was in want, and he had nothing left. And the times in the land and the country were tough too. So what did he do? He had not, nowhere to go, nowhere to turn. So he thought to himself, I'm going to let myself be hired out to somebody in the land. And it says he joined himself to a citizen of the country that he was in. And we know from the story, he virtually became a slave. He wasn't getting paid a lot. We see that by what he was looking at to eat. It says he... His job became to feed pigs. 
And for this Jewish young man, that's kind of an insult. They, they thought pigs were unclean. They wouldn't eat a pig. They wouldn't have anything to do with swine. So this was a, a dirty, low job for any Jewish boy. And in fact, it says that he was hungry and would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave him unto him. And you got to remember, this, this is a famine. So he's feeding pigs, and it's not like there's plenty. It's not like there's a lot that they can give to these pigs. No, he's giving them the refuse, the, the garbage that nobody, no human is going to eat because there's not enough for humans. So he's giving them the junk, and they can rummage through it. And he's looking at that saying, man, I'm hungry enough. I could eat that. I'm hungry enough. I could eat that garbage with those pigs, with those dirty pigs. He considered eating that as his food. And just when it looks like all hope is lost, it says he came to himself. It says this, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hungry, hunger. I will rise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no longer worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Um, and yet, while he was yet a long way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. He comes up with a plan. The light comes on and the training of his youth finally kicks in. He says, you know what? There's better than this. There's better than this spot that I'm in. His plan, he realizes he has a need and his father has the answer. He realizes he has sinned and he's guilty. And in his plan, he's humbled and he comes up, he thinks, I'm going to go ask Father, for forgiveness. And he does. He is humbled and he's on his way and he's going to go ask. He's no longer the one who's telling anybody what to do. He's not, Dad, give me what's coming to me. No, he realizes, no, Dad, will you let me? And he's repentant. He realizes he's no longer worthy. And his desire has changed from the one who says, give me, I'm in control of my life, his desire changes and it says, let me be a servant. Let me serve. And Jesus says he gets up and goes home. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran. And fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let's eat and make merry. For this my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found, and they began to make merry. The father was waiting and watching every day, hoping, hoping that one day 
that son would come. He was looking, watching, earnestly, praying. Job 1 verse 5, Job did this. It was his practice to rise up early and pray for his children. And he even offered burnt offerings for them just in case they had sinned. It says, and, and it says this, and this he did continuously. That was his practice. And I think this father that Jesus is talking about had the same idea. This father, the way Jesus is describing it, he's longing for the son to come home. And when he does, and when he comes before the father and he's, he's repentant and he says, Dad, I, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like your servant. And the father doesn't even seem to give any attention to that. He doesn't seem to even hear it. He just says, get the robe and get the ring and get shoes for him. Put it on him. Get the calf that's been ready for the, for the feast that we thought we were going to have for something else. But no, let's have it now and, and get it ready and let's celebrate. Because this, my son, was dead. This, my son. Not this, this new servant that I'm going to hire. No. This, my son. He was dead and he's alive. He was lost and he is found. Makes me think of the story that Sim spoke of just before they went off on a sabbatical of that woman that they dragged to Jesus who was taken in adultery. And the Pharisees come and they, they plan on stoning her. This woman was taken in adultery. We caught her in the very act. She's guilty, and she knows it. And I'm sure that while she was being dragged, I don't know, by the coat, by the sleeve, by the hair, I don't know how they dragged her. It wouldn't have been pretty. They had no compassion on her. And as she's being dragged along, I can only imagine, this is just my speculation, but as she says nothing, as she knows she's guilty, the plan is that she is going to be stoned. I can imagine that woman in the quiet of her heart saying, God, forgive me. I know I'm guilty. I know what's coming to me down the road. Forgive me. And you know what? I, in my imagination, I can think Jesus heard that prayer. And so when they bring her in front of him and they say, she's guilty, Jesus is hearing the cry of her heart. That's what I think I, I can imagine. And so when he says, whoever is free of sin, let him cast the first stone. And, and the story goes on from there that they all leave and he writes on the, on the sand and they leave and he writes again. And then she's standing in front of Jesus. He said, where are those that accuse you? Where are the men? And she, she says, there's no one left. I can imagine that Jesus heard the cry of her heart, that forgiving, that humble cry. The father calls for a robe for this son, the ring for his finger, shoes for his feet, calls for a celebration to be prepared. And like I said, for this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to make merry. But the story's not done there. Because this man had two sons. 
And the older son, he comes along and he says, what's, what's the big deal all about? And they tell him, you know what, your, your brother, that guy that had wandered off, that, you know, the one that wanted his inheritance and he took it and, and he went off to a far country while well, he's back. Oh. oh, that worthless guy. And he's mad. This older son was not happy that his brother had returned. He's not forgiving. He's not concerned with the lost estate of his brother. There's no compassion there. He's judgmental. He's condemning. He's jealous. He said, you know what? What dad has left is mine. And he was selfish. He didn't want anything more to be given to this son. He didn't want a calf to be given to this son or robes and rings and shoes. This guy's getting what he deserves. And he was upset. And the father, he wouldn't even come into dad. So that father had to go out and see him. And say, you know what? This guy was dead. He was as good as dead. And he's alive. He was lost. And he was found. Though this young man had made God his enemy, you can, you can get this from this story. God had not made him his enemy. God was still in love with this guy. And this father was still in love with this guy. Even though he had wandered away. Even though he had gone from all that he was supposed to know and supposed to do. There may be some here tonight. You're here, but your heart is wandering. Wandering far from the Father, far from God. Maybe you've fallen for the lies of this world. Maybe for the temporary pleasures that it offers. It might be that you know in your heart that you failed, just like this prodigal son. And that you've sinned. And you might be feeling that there's no hope. I've gone too far. God doesn't have any interest in me anymore. I'm, I'm too far gone. And I was thinking about that, and there's this, he's a Christian comedian. I don't know if some of you may think that's an oxymoron. That doesn't go together. Christianity is supposed to be serious. But there's this Christian comedian that I knew when I was in my teens. Didn't know him, but I knew of him. And he wrote this song. Um, sometimes does it seem too good to be true that God's only son lived and died just for you? Is it hard to believe that God's really there when in spite of your sin, he continues to care? Verse 2 goes like this. Sometimes does it seem you've wandered so far, you'll never get back to that place in his heart. Don't you know that he waits for the sound of your prayer? Just whisper his name and you'll find out he's there. The chorus goes like this. I don't know what a sinner you are, but I know what a savior he is. I don't know where your feet have taken you, but his climbed up Calvary's hill. I don't know what kind of words you've spoken, but his words were, Father, forgive. I don't know what a sinner you are, but I know what a savior he is. And Jesus says, there's rejoicing in heaven when one who is a sinner returns. When you as the prodigal son return 
to your heavenly father when you come to jesus and repent and say you know what i am not worthy i i've sinned you confess your sins and for each one of its us it's different but he knows your sin he's been waiting a lifetime for you to come this story reminds me of the words of Uncle Henry, my Uncle Henry. And i sorry if I bring that up sometimes from time to time, but he said, how do I know? How can I believe that God really hears me? And I said, he's been waiting all your life. He's waiting all of your life for you to come back to him. And it may be that you've, you're hearing for the first time and you're understanding for the first time, and you, you're coming for the first time to repent, or it may be that you're a Christian, you've wandered away, and you need to come back to the Lord. He's waiting for you to come. He wants you to repent. He wants you to come close. He wants you back in fellowship with Him. It's what He sent His Son for. It's why Jesus went to a cross. It's why He suffered and died. It's why He paid the price. And that's why God rose him again from the dead. Let's pray. Father, I thank you tonight for this time that we've been able to look into your word. I thank you for this story that Jesus gives us that shows us how you love us, how you love sinners, how it was your plan to redeem us back to you. And Father, I pray tonight that if there's somebody here that needs to come to you, maybe for that first time, and say, Father, I have sinned before you. I'm not worthy, none of us are, to be your son. Forgive me for all of the stuff I've done and, and help me to live for you. Forgive me and help me to live for you. Father, I pray if there's one here that's like that, that they would honestly in their heart pray that prayer. And Father, I just ask that you would show them how to live for you. Father, I thank you for this time, and I just ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen.